Hey everyone, today's episode is on devotion to the Christ child, which is a very unique devotion and I think it should be a more common devotion, especially in a day where so many people are scared of this image of a wrathful, angry God. So many saints revered not God as an angry ruler, but instead as a very simple infant child they held in their arms, and I think there's something we can learn from that. Also, this devotion highlights just the beauty in folk Catholic rituals, culturally Catholic customs, because devotion is far spread to this image of Christ. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, please check out the Patreon. There's a lot of great things that I offer there, and I'll probably be doing some extra bonus content surrounding this topic soon. So thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Thousands of years ago, there was a man who was said to be seven and a half feet tall. Despite his size and despite his proficiency as a soldier, he no longer wanted to serve the king. He wanted to serve God. As he was praying in the forest, he came across a hermit and he asked the hermit, how can I best serve God? How can I best serve the Holy Spirit? To which the hermit replied, serve others however you can, however way you can, use the talents that God gave you. And this man was almost as tall as the trees in the very forest he was standing, so he knew that he could use his gifts of height and strength to help. Therefore, he stood post at a very, very dangerous river, a river that took the lives of hundreds of people every year. And as people went to cross, he was there to guide them across the river, for there was no bridge. He did this for many years. He was known as a very gentle giant. And one day, a small child asked for help. So of course, this giant man put the small child on his shoulders and waded across the river. But something was different. For this child, even though very, very small on the back of this giant man was so heavy. The man could barely move, but he knew he had a duty. He had to bring this child across the river or else they would both die. They would both perish and drown. So he stuck at it. Inch by inch, despite the strong currents, the waves, the sun setting, knowing soon it will be dark. The man grudged on, step by step. And finally, when he reached the other side, the man reached up and put the child down, only to see that this was no ordinary child. But in fact, this was the child, Christ. The child Jesus told the man, this whole time you had the weight of the world on your shoulders as well as the weight of the one who created it. You do not need to serve a king, you are right. For in your service, you are serving the king of the world, the king of the universe. And from then on, we know this man, this giant, as Saint Christopher, which means the Christ bearer. About a thousand years later in a monastery in Padua, a strange sound was heard from the cell of the great Anthony. The other brothers went out into the hallway to listen, 
What was that? Is it crying? The gibbering of a small baby? So they inched closer. They wondered to themselves, did Anthony bring in another infant to take care of? For he was known for his big heart. But they noticed a glow underneath the door. So they peeked into the keyhole to see the great friar Anthony holding a child, a radiant child, a radiant child holding a white lily. The child was laughing as Anthony whispered into his ear, whispering to God the prayers of all those who need them. And still to this day, St. Anthony is known to be such a miracle worker because he has that closeness to the child Christ. Since he is holding the child in his arms, he can easily ask God for what you need. And the stories like this go on and on about these great saints and figures who don't merely adore a wrathful God or a sorrowful one, but a joyful one, an innocent one, a God you can hold. This is another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, and I am your host, rocking the baby Jesus to sleep, W. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Today, many people might look at devotion to the Christ child, to the infant Jesus, and they may think it's a bit silly. And I get that. We all want the unique devotion. We all want the saint that has a really cool, edgy backstory. We want the saint that has had the ecstatic experiences and the miracles attested to them. We want the devotion that has the medieval lore to it. We want the passion of Christ meditations with, with all of the blood. Or with the sacred heart beating wrapped in thorns. And I get that. That's human nature. However, in a time in which what we might call spiritual trauma is rampant, where many of us have been put through the ringer with these images of a wrathful God, a judgmental God, a God that is only reserved for certain people. How beautiful is it to also know that God can be a small infant, a small child that we can hold in our arms. St. Teresa of Avila said that contemplative prayer, which is the highest form of prayer, is simply lovingly looking at God as God lovingly looks back. What more beautiful of an image do we have than holding the child Christ? Not a wrathful figure, a simple, innocent figure. To take it a step further, a form of God that we must nurture, a form of God that we must protect, or else 
we might become too dark. Or else, we might become too jaded. So we have to nurture this relationship. Nurture the child Christ and protect it from the ills of the world and the darkness of our hearts. And if we look at all of the great saints who've had devotion to the child Christ, we know something must be there. Look at the great Saint Joseph, who got to hold God in his arms every day. Saint Joseph likely delivered Jesus from Mary, meaning he was the first person to see the face of God. And the birth of Christ is also something to be reflected upon. All of us now are used to being sermonized. We're used to hearing preachers speak about metaphor. So we can become numb to it. But looking for those metaphors is contemplation. And it's also speaking truths on a spiritual realm. For Christ being born isn't just indicative of a historical moment, but also it showcases a truth that Christ will be born inside of us. That there are times of darkness, there are times of persecution, there are times in which we are trapped in Sheol, but soon Christ will be born so we can descend into the depths and destroy our own hell. And that too involves the Christ child, the innocent birth of God. The last week of November is the feast of Christ the King. It's the last feast before the Advent season. It's always funny to me because during that time of the feast of Christ the King, you have all of these hyper-masculine sermons and social media posts about God the King, Christ the King, Christ the archetype of masculinity, a king, a ruler, an emperor. True. But he's also just a little baby. A little tiny baby that was kissed on the cheeks by Saint Joseph and Mary. That was held by the great saints. And I think that's so refreshing. So the next time you are feeling overwhelmed by a God who you feel judged by, just imagine yourself holding the baby Christ in your arms, which is what was done by some of the greatest saints in history. So let's talk about this very powerful devotion to the Christ child, as well as a very folkloric devotion. It's taken on many forms throughout the world. It's a great topic to jump into. So you see cults, and by cult I mean just groups of worship. Because remember, as we've talked in past episodes, the early church, things varied from community to community prior to the Council of Trent and some of the other councils. But you began to see a lot of cults open up towards devotion to the Christ child very early. And of course, this makes sense because there was the Christ child in Gospels as well as some non-canonical texts as well. But also, this is indicative of a very common theme that we see in early Christianity, but it's more commonly seen in the medieval era, and that is the many facets of God. And this is so lost today, which is unfortunate. But God was often written about, Jesus as well, was often written about in a very, very variable way. For instance, Christ or God was prayed to as a physician, as a father, as a mother. Yes, Jesus was 
pray to as a mother, a brother, a sister, a spouse. And also, interestingly, not just as a doctor, but also as a patient. And also, not just as a father or mother, but as a child. And this is because it's indicative of us nurturing Christ, taking care of Christ in our hearts and in the hearts of others. And I really love this poetic and mystical understanding of God, that God has many facets. And I think today our over-intellectualism has really kind of dampened that. You know, God is this, God is that. When I see people, you know, talking about what pronouns to use for, for God, it's, it's like, come on, like God is, is not this, not this, but also this, but also kind of this. And you see that with Jesus as well, most notably in, actually the physician and patient was pretty notable, but most notably in the infant, in this, this tiny baby we carry. Yes, he was revered as king of the world, king of the universe, but also not just that, not just that, also as this tiny child that we can hold and adore. And back then, the medieval era, devotion to the Christ child was very common in Spain, and later Prague, and because of colonization. Later, devotion to the Christ child was, and still is, very popular in Mexico and Latin America. And as I've said numerous times already in the past five minutes, the infant Jesus it symbolizes a lot, which we've covered, but mainly our need to nurture and grow Christ in our hearts, to nurture the Christ in others. But another main theme is God is not just this man of wrath, but he's also a sweet, innocent being. And also, there have been so many saints with devotion to the child Jesus. I'm going to name a few, and these saints specifically, they are ones who had some kind of apparition, vision, or ecstatic experience with the child Christ. There's thousands others who just have a fondness or devotion to the child Christ. One of the first we can talk about is St. Teresa of Avila, who is also called St. Teresa of the Child Jesus. And she had a great devotion to the child Christ, and she carried a statue in her pocket, I guess. I don't know if they have pockets. She carried a statue with her everywhere of the infant Jesus. And when she formed new convents and monasteries, she always installed and con had consecrated statues of the baby Jesus. And one day, Teresa was walking down the steps when she saw a small child, and the child said, Who are you? And she said, I am Teresa of the child Jesus, who are you? And he replied, I am the child Jesus of Teresa. And I love that story. And ever since, she was even more revered and known for her devotion to the child Jesus. And this would be written about in hagiography on St. Teresa of Avila. And the description of the child would be designed by a Spanish sculptor. And that statue would later make its way to the Philippines and become venerated as a very notable child Jesus statue, uh, Nino de Cebu. A few others really quickly. Uh, St. Rose de Lima, it said when she was five years old, she had difficulty reading and writing. So she prayed that Jesus would help her and Jesus appeared as a child who tutored her. And her mother didn't believe her until at only five years old, she was able to read perfectly from a book on St. Catherine of Siena, and as well as write a whole bunch of paragraphs and stories about saints on her own. St. Francis of Assisi is another, as we've discussed before a little bit, I've discussed it more on the Patreon. 
St. Francis came up with the first nativity scene, the first live nativity scene as well. And that was largely due to his love for the infant Jesus. And some legends say at that first live nativity recreation, the child Christ appeared in the manger. And as a result, many people took hay home as relics of the event. Another famous story is St. Jerome. St. Jerome is known for translating the Bible from Greek into Latin. And he also was a hermit during a period of his life, and he lived in a cave near where Christ was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And one night, the child Christ appeared to him and asked, Jerome, what will you give me for your birthday? And Jerome replied, I'm going to give you a translation of the Bible in Latin. And Jesus said, no, give me your sins instead. That's all I want. He just wants to cleanse and purify the world. And then you also have St. John of God, who is another Spanish saint that kind of highlights the Spanish mysticism involved in this veneration. And he had such an intense vision of the infant Jesus that many people thought he was absolutely crazy. And the infant asked him to go hear St. John of Avila preach. And later they connected and St. John of Avila provided him spiritual direction. And the list goes on and on. Therese of Lisieux had a special devotion to the Christ child, John of the Cross. Uh, we'd already mentioned Anthony of Padua. So many, it's so very, very common. So let's talk about some of the more notable and well-known apparitions and devotions of the Christ child. Much like in our Many Titles of Mary episode, how we discussed Mary can take on different forms in order to put our minds and our mentalities towards different things. When we're feeling sorrowful, Our Lady of Sorrows. When we're feeling sick, Our Lady of Good Health, so on and so forth. Images of, of Christ kind of take on that similar form. But the most well-known image of Jesus, when people think of Christ's child devotion, they often think of the child of Prague. And the history and its origins are actually pretty mysterious. Most legends do start with a monk who was also a sculptor, and he lived in a very remote monastery, and he had visions of this Christ child asking him to pray. And each time he prayed, the image became more solid in his mind and more transparent, more visible. So ultimately, he sculpted an image of this child. And another legend says that that sculpture eventually made it into the hands of St. Teresa of Avila. She's popping up a lot in this story. And she gave the statue as a gift to a bohemian noblewoman, uh, Maria Lara y Mendoza. And she married a Czech nobleman, and then later their daughter, Princess Palazina, she inherited the statue in 1628. So we do know this. From now on, we know what happened. In 1628, we do know that Princess Palazina gifted the statue to a Carmelite friary in Prague. And the princess is reported to have said, Venerable fathers, I bring you my dearest possession. Honor this image and you shall never be poor. And that kind of shows there was already some miracles surrounding the statue just from Palazina's experience. And then the miracles did work for the friars as well. During a rough period, they began praying in front of the statue. And it's said that Emperor Ferdinand II of the House of Hansburg mysteriously caught wind of the statue. And upon a visit, he was so moved by it, he donated 2,000 florins and a monthly stipend to the friary, which allowed them to continue doing all that they do. However, soon the Thirty Years' War was upon them. 
and the monks had to evacuate, and they had to evacuate quickly, so they left all of their possessions behind, including the statue. The friary was completely plundered in the war, and the statue was tossed aside in a pile of rubbish behind the altar, and it laid there for seven years. In 1637, it was found again by Father Cyrilius with broken hands and some damage. But he placed it in the church's oratory, and one day while praying in front of the statue, the priest heard a voice that said, Have pity on me, and I will have pity on you. Give me my hands, and I will give you peace. The more you honor me, the more I will bless you. And Father Cyrilius got the statue restored, new hands, new paint job. And ever since, the statue has remained in the church, which is called Our Lady of Victories in Prague. And it's venerated by thousands of people, with thousands of miracles being attributed to it. And devotion began to spread. And the church eventually approved special devotions towards it. And its devotion has far spread beyond Prague and beyond Europe. Ireland, though, um, the child of Prague is what it's called there. The statue is given to brides on their wedding day for good luck. In Dublin specifically, but I've, I've seen this in the Americas as well and throughout Europe, the child of Prague is known to grant good weather. So sometimes it's put in the window during storms, but it's also a common garden statue. In the United States, we have a lot of St. Francis, but it's not uncommon elsewhere to see the infant of Prague because it's supposed to bring good weather for your garden or for your crops. So the infant of Prague, very, very common devotion. A lot of churches will have an infant Jesus, and it gets tricky because it might not be considered or called the child of Prague, but oftentimes the statue is modeled after the child of Prague. So sometimes it is called it, but sometimes it's just called Jesus of something else. And we're going to get to the various forms the child Jesus can have. For instance, I know for me, I live in Louisiana, our protectress, our patron is Our Lady of Prompt Succor or Prompt Succor, which is a very unique form of Mary. So we have a child of Prague, but he's wearing the same garments as Our Lady of Prompt Succor. So he's like the child of Our Lady of Prompt Succor, but it's also sometimes called the Infant of Prague. All right, getting away from Infant of Prague, just talking about general Infant Jesus, Christ Child devotion. Very popular during the Christmas season, as you would imagine. In some places in Mexico and Europe, the Child Jesus is the one who delivers presents, not Santa. I came across one kind of fun piece of lore. In some places in Cajun French communities, mostly Louisiana, there's the story of La Christine or La Christiane who comes and gives presents to children the day after Christmas. And some people or legends will say that La Christine is Santa's wife. However, this is likely an evolution from the name La Christkind, which is the Christ child in German. It was a Germanic belief that in Germany, La Christkind would come and give you presents. So this likely evolved from a Germanic belief. And I just love this. I love that likely in some Cajun communities, they just kept hearing the name Christine. They didn't know what it was and they were like, I don't know, baby, I guess that's just, I guess that's just Santa's wife or something. But <laughs> it comes from Christkind and I love that. And that's a great representation of culturally Catholic beliefs, folk Catholic beliefs and customs, and just cultural folklore in general, how things evolve over time. So it went from Chris Keen to Christine, 
who then became Santa's wife. Love it. However, like I said, since Spain was kind of the heart of all of this infant Jesus worship, over time, Mexico has now become the best, flavorful, most dynamic devotion to the divine child. To me. Philippines has some good ones too, but there's so many great devotions in Mexico. One of the earliest is Nino Cativo, and that is one of the earliest adored images of the child Christ in Mexico. It was stolen by pirates, and these pirates demanded a ransom, but it miraculously reappeared anyway in the church. And today, this image of Christ, it's petitioned to those who feel they are being held captive by something or by someone. They will pray that they can be set free, much like how this statue was held captive too. Another notable one is Nino Dios of Xochimilco, and this is one of the most revered forms of the child Christ, and it was in possession of an indigenous chief, and it's believed to visit devotees in dreams, to give advice, or to bless their crops, or to give advice on your crops. So it'll come up in your dream and let you know that your corn needs a little more sunlight. So this image is actually hosted by new families every year and they honor the image in their home as almost this form of Jesus's godparents is what they call it. And many replicas though have been used in recent years rather than the original. Then you have, which I know you guys are gonna love, Nino de las Suertes, which is a image of the Christ child that is most closely associated with Santa Muerte devotion. So, Unlike Santa Muerte, though, veneration to this image is considered fairly orthodox. The shrine is housed to this day in a very notable monastery, or convent rather. And the image showcases a child Christ sleeping next to a skull. And this was found in some rubble in Mexico City on the outskirts, and it was brought to the archbishop. And dozens of churches and monasteries wanted the image. They haven't seen anything like this before. And the Archbishop decided that he would do a raffle. And the raffle ultimately went to a very unexpected convent, a very meek and humble one that was very small. And it was dedicated to the poor. It was the convent of San Bernardo. And the Bishop just pulled three more times because maybe, you know, one of the more wealthy churches can, can get their hands on this. But each time the Bishop pulled, San Bernardo got it each time. And since Santa Muerte is believed to be a patron of the oppressed and the poor, this image makes sense to have its devotion alongside it because now locally and culturally, this image is in one of the more poor convents and that convent had a special dedication to the poor, so it makes sense. However, also, the main correlation is visual though. Jesus is sleeping next to, or one could even say on top of a skull. And this is likely intended to signify the passion or Christ's victory over death, but the image is also quite similar to the skeletal depictions of Santa Muerte. So I see a lot of Santa Muerte devotions. I wanna see more Nino de la Suerte's devotions. And let's round this out with the most fun, and it's also indicative of the World Cup, which we just had, and that's Nino Futbolista. So in Tacuba, Mexico City, they venerate Nino Futbolista, which is often depicted wearing a Mexican soccer uniform. And they pray to him, yes, for victory and success for the Mexican football team, but he can be prayed to for quite a bit. 
His real name is Nino de los Milagros, and he's believed to be a very notable miracle worker, and it will assist with just about anything. If you go to a shrine near Mexico City, you're going to see toys all about, and it's common to leave toys at his shrine if he delivers for you. So those are just a few. There's so many more that we can talk about. I'll share a few more on Patreon in the coming days, but a really fun and unique devotion, and it really highlights the folk Catholic, the culturally Catholic practices uh, globally, especially in Latin America and Spain. And I think this form of Christ is underrated. It's folksy, it's fun, it's innocent and pure. And as far as incorporating it into your spirituality, you can pray to the Christ child for anything. But I especially would pray for peace or anything, especially well-being or safety of children and their protection. But I think the best one is I'm going to say pray, but also meditate, contemplate. This image, this form of Christ, when you're feeling scrupulous, when you're feeling scared of God, when you're feeling spiritually dry, if spiritual trauma is flaring up, which often does in today's angry world, think about this infant Jesus. He is not going to damn you to hell. You're just going to hold him and rock him. God looks at you and you look back. God. I think that's so important. And that is the reason why he is venerated so often. Christ came to earth not so God would change our mind about us, but we would change our mind about God. Therefore, no longer seeing a wrathful father, instead seeing an infant son, a human son. I think it's beautiful. So if you are dealing with anyone calling you a sinner and damning you to hell, just think of that tiny baby Jesus in your arms. Also, in a contemplative sense, how can you nurture the Christ child that abides in you and in others? And how can you ensure the birth of God in your heart every day? Beautiful things to contemplate, meditate, and pray about. So, hope you've enjoyed this fun episode on the Christ child. Let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God, you could have came to us as anything. You could have came as a fierce ruler on a throne of fire. You could have came as a beam of light. You could have came as an angel with swords and weapons to smite the evil ones. But how did you appear? You appeared in a manger, the son of meek and humble parents. It's a small child, a small infant. And as we grow in our spirituality and in our love, Allow us to love you in all of your forms, but especially in the form of a child. For so often we want to feel like children again too. We want simplicity. We want love. And in this world, God, we are so weighed down by obligations, being pulled in directions from so many people. And as a result, we do not want to feel hold in any directions when it comes to our love for you. We want to love you simply. So allow us to love you simply. As we meditate upon holding you in our arms, the simple child, just looking at you as you lovingly look back at us. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I hope you've enjoyed it. As always, I am your host, W. Take care and remember to hold Christ in your arms and kiss him on his chubby little cheeks.
God bless.